well, have we got loads of tyranny all over the place. Uh, by the way, folks, the Rothschilds outdid themselves when they decided to make war against us with the hypodermic shot instead of the bullet shot, right? That's what we're going through. And, wow, it's incredible here in America, Michael, how many primarily white people are lining up to get shot. How's it going in Sweden? Yeah, they're focusing mainly on the on the elder people that they scare Ooh, them. Yeah. They scare them to death. Yeah, they always go with. They start up with the elder people. Always start up with them and say yeah, and then they scare them up to because they are the one I see are are targeted here right now. That's and then also I hear um, in younger circles as well that are see as you said white people that line up for this shot and and. Um, take no consideration if this one is harmful or not. They just, because they want to go back to quote-unquote normal. They believe they will be normal again, but it won't be normal. That's the, they, they, they have already started to take away the freedoms. They will just keep on going. Yeah, yeah, there's no, well, obviously there's no organized resistance from government. Because government, as we've been documenting here at Eurofolk Radio, has been, you know, controlled by the Rothschilds and the, and the Rockefellers and other super rich Jewish families, and here in America it began in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act. They have been slowly taking over every institution in America, including the churches. In fact, the churches, the Judeo churches, may be the most corrupt uh, and uh, useful institutions for the Jews to date. Right, and that's we'll be getting to that, folks, because that's the Church of Laodicea. The church that yeah. that Yahshua wants to vomit out of his mouth. That's how evil, that's how bad they are. But today we're going to start with Sardis and hopefully get into Philadelphia. But very quickly, uh, uh, I need to make a, a few announcements here. Uh, first of all, last night I did a, a show on Restoration Hour with Fred Leuchter. Uh, I have to say, very, very entertaining uh, discussion between myself and Fred. We primarily talked about how he got into uh, being a executioner. <laughs> That's what he is. He's an executioner, an expert on uh, electrocution and an expert on gassing people to death, okay? And so th that's why he went to Auschwitz to determine whether or not there's any evidence of the, the, the truth of the so-called gassings of Jews at these various camps, okay? And when he went over there, he said the facilities were so garbage, <laughs> were so bad, that there's no way that uh, that, that could happen because they were so uh, primitive. Uh, the, the facilities were so primitive, you know, because he says in order to gas somebody in, in modern times, uh, they use multiple uh, multiple factors of gas, hydrogen cyanide, to kill people, and the the volume of hydrogen cyanide in the air in those facilities was so small, couldn't kill anybody, couldn't kill a rat. <laughs> All right. So anyway, and then uh, he talked about his early days and how he was surprised when he was in high school that a a substitute Jewish teacher hated his guts just because he had a German sounding name like Leuchter. And so and he 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 excoriated Fred in front of the whole class be, just because he was German. 
So that was uh, Fred's introduction to Jewish persecution of us. And then he tells stories of, because he grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, and he tells stories of these Orthodox Jews from Russia and Poland. The women would be sitting out on the street having, you know, uh, kvetching, having conversations, right? And they would literally just pee while they're sitting in their chairs, just pee, and the uh, pee would run down uh, the sidewalk. It gives you an idea of what a filthy people these Eastern European Jews are and were, okay? So, a personal experience from Fred Leuchter, very entertaining and very eye-opening for anybody. So, that's on the downloads of the Restoration Hour from last night. I highly suggest that you listen to that. Okay, now, also, uh, we put up a, a, a post on your folk radio, which is on the front page at the moment, which is the uh, post about the Joseph and the Exodus. There's two videos, one by Ron Wyatt, The Death of Tutankhamun and the Exodus, in which he provides proof and, and video evidence that the granaries that were created by Joseph, they're still there, you can go and visit them. More proof that the Bible is true and all the critics are liars. And then the second video, Exodus Rediscovered, which goes into great detail, talking about how the Egyptian dynasty that, uh, that uh, you know, pursued the Israelites, not Jews, the Israelites uh, to Arabia, Virtually, that dynasty virtually collapsed. Why? Because all of the firstborn male, firstborn sons were killed by Yahweh. Okay? That collapsed Egypt at that time. And half their army was destroyed. So this shows why the Egyptian presence in Canaan, because the the Egyptians had a, uh, what we call, uh, embassies in, in Canaan land. And they would protect the Canaanites because of their military presence, because they used Canaan as a a starting point to attack other nations, such as the Hittites and the Mitanni. Well, after the Exodus, that stopped. So, total historical proof that the Exodus was real, and he identifies the true pharaoh of the time, etc., etc. This is highly documented uh, one of the best videos uh, proving that the Bible is true and the critics are liars. Uh, highly encourage all of you to watch both of those videos. Okay, excellent stuff. Okay, and then f- one final note: I'll be traveling uh, next week. I'll try to do as many shows as I can, but I'll be in Central Indiana attending a an identity conference, and uh, so I'll try to do shows. Uh, in the morning and in the evening if I can. If not, I'll have to fill in the time slot. And then I just want one more quick announcement that the April 17th and 18th Patriots Day Conference in uh, north uh, southeastern Michigan, we're going to be about 25 miles northeast of, uh, of Detroit, uh, having this patriotic uh, biblical conference. And so if anybody is, is able to attend, send me an email at e- elijames at att.net. Again, elijames at att.net. And I'll secure a spot for you there. You have to pay your own expenses to get there and lodging, but the conference is free. Okay? 
So, in any case, uh, let's get uh, to our story here today. And we, we want to start with the city of Sardis. And uh, do you have that uh, article up, uh, Michael? The um, Yes. Um, yeah. You mean this one, Enduring World? Yes. And uh, just the first four, and I'll try to put the link to that article. It's it's by a Judeo-Christian, but it's nevertheless a very good uh, description of the, the city of Sardis. Okay. Okay. Then we start up to read from that one. This is then Revelation 3. Jesus' letter to the churches continued. Um, a, to the church of Sardis. And this is 1A. The character of the city of Sardis. In quote, and to the angel of the church of Sar- in Sardis write, the church in Sardis, at the time Jesus spoke these words to John, the ancient city of Sardis had seen its best day and had started to decline, yet it was a wealthy city, situated at the junction of several important roads and trade routes. Okay. The connection Sardis and money, easy money, was well known <laughs> easy money. in the ancient right. world. Okay, so okay. this is an interesting description of the city of Sardis, and it really correlates well to our prophetic interpretation, which is that of the Reformation against what turned out to be a war against the Catholic Church, okay, which started out very lively and uh, serious Bible research and scholarship, etc., etc. But the latter end of the Reformation was it, like it virtually you know, disappeared. Why? Because it, beca- it be- started becoming more like the Catholic Church. So, in other words, and uh, Pastor Martins has stated that the Reformation churches are more Catholic than the Pope, right? So they they left the, their first estate, which was to uh, you know, fight against Roman mythology, or the ro- mythology of the Roman Catholic Church. And because they became more materialistic and happy and satisfied, so as he says here, uh, Sardis had seen its best days and had started to decline. Well, so did the Reformation. Back to you. Yes, could it also show this that the Reformation was, what to say, they described the city as a wealthy city that declined. Mm-hmm. That this Reformation was, uh, um, yeah, it started up good, but then it declined. Also, that they, they had much wealth with Martin Luther when it started up. So, it had a good intention, but it, uh, yeah, it was, I guess, also was, uh, it was infiltrated, also oh. as usual. Yep. By the usual characters, right? <laughs> and and their yeah. agents, their hired their hired guns, yes. Yeah, and weren't it also because Martin Luther he did die pretty young, I would say. So I, isn't it also maybe, maybe suspicious that he died after he wrote a book about uh, about the use of their lives? Amen. Very suspicious. So he yes. turned. He first, I guess, he used them in in, in the first days of this. When it did the Reformation, but then he noticed that they didn't work for his best sake. Right. Yeah, well, it's obvious to me that the Jews uh, supported Luther in the early days because the Catholic Church was their main enemy at the time. But the, the Jews will never support a matter 
except for their own hidden interests. So Martin Luther was not aware that they were manipulating him and using him to help destroy the Catholic Church. And they financed both sides of the Thirty Years' War between the Reformation and the Catholics, right? So as typical, the Jews uh, always uh, support war, create war, and profit off of war or revolution, Okay, that's their modus operandi. Uh, most people don't realize that. Back to you. Yeah, they burn both stick, uh, both end of the sticks. To the right? Ground. Yeah, right. And until until the flame comes to their fingers, and then they drop it and start another fire. Right? Okay. Okay. Let's continue. Um, then um, now let's see. It's in quote here. Quote: It is of interest to note that the first coinage ever to be m- m- minted in Asia Minor was minted in Sardis in the days of um, Crisis. Uh, these roughly formed electrum staters, uh, staters were the beginning of money in the modern sense of term. Hmm, Sardis was okay. the place where modern money was born. End quote. Okay. That's Barclay. Very interesting. Okay. Okay, uh, so Sardis, uh, this city was also a city well known for its softness and luxury. Oh boy! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That really just describes uh, Europe toward the end of the Reformation, and of course the Catholic Church, uh, the the French monarchy, the British monarchy. I'd say all the monarchies had become soft and luxurious toward the end and that's why they had to go so we'll document that history this is a really good comparison to what happened to europe at the end of the roman catholic slash monarchic reign that ended with the um uh, what was not the czar kaiser kaiser wilhelm ii and so we'll be talking about that as we go along back to you yeah, like a comment to that, and the present Swedish king, uh, Gustav III, he had, he earned the, what do you say, the, they had to kill him because of his doing, because of the, uh, the resistance that they made, because they didn't want them to be citizens in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Okay, he wanted to maintain his rule just like King James and others, right? Uh, dictatorial reign instead of uh, ruling with Yahweh as kings are our Israelite kings are supposed to do. Yeah, but I guess that the Illuminati ordered his murder because of his, uh, he didn't cooperate with them. Oh, okay. Because uh, I remember you saying, uh, uh, was he a good king or a bad king? Uh, uh, who- yeah, probably, yeah. He was probably also one of the kings that did, unfortunately, g- gave the, the Jewish people the most of them. Ooh, but they, but okay. uh, they killed him also because he, he did resist them as well. So okay. the Swedish oh. king... Until so like then, a Martin, so like a Martin Luther. Yeah, they were. I would say uh, the Swedish king until they were more more like that. They did resist them until because that was something when they were sworn in. They did swore not to do any money dealings uh-huh. with forging, for yeah, like for, with yeah, you you with it is implying use in a way when right. when you read it. They say. Okay, so, so, so he trusted in. Jews. He started out trusting Jews and learned not to trust them. <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah, he, he was murdered, and the and the and the and the one that killed him, his his chest hangs beside the one that also murdered uh, Julius Caesar. What I understand. Okay. In the uh, uh, 
Okay, so uh, what's the connection to Julius Caesar? I don't know. That's the same, the one that murdered Julius Caesar. That person's chest hangs beside this person, uh, Anka Ström's chest in, in the Freemasonic lodges in France. I oh, okay. So a Freemason. It was a Freemason that murdered uh, the, the Swedish king? Yes, it was, okay. it was a Freemason. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, there were secrets, Jewish secret societies in those days, and it's quite possible that uh, the Jewish Freemasons of the day uh, were conspiring to get rid of Julius Caesar. Yeah, that's certainly possible. Because, uh, uh, for one thing, the uh, it was, what was her name now? Papia. Papia, who was the wife of uh, the, 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 the pharaoh, uh, Caesar, who persecuted the Christians, Nero, uh, she was the one who talked him into that persecution, but she was influenced by Jewish moneylenders. Okay, she had come under their sway. So again, even Nero, Nero's persecution of Christians was probably financed as well by Jews. Back to you. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah, because Nero was one of those first ones that started this, this terrible persecution of Christians, I guess. It was one of those, what do you yes. say, those days that we had yeah. discussed before. Yeah, he was the first day. Nero was the first day of these horrible persecutions. Yes, back to you. Okay, let's continue. And it had a well-deserved reputation for apathy and immorality. <laughs> apathy, all right, okay. Okay. Sounds like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I guess that that. You know, applies to the royalty of Europe. You know, apathy, you know, we got all the money we need, we we're living in luxury, and, well, uh, continue, because the, the, the description of their, the luxurious life that we Israelites, when we get into it, we become almost as bad as Jews. Yeah, we forget who gave us, who <laughs> has given us this, who has helped us, who is blessing us. It is always Yahweh that protects us, and but that's what we forget when we get uh, wealthy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. In Sardis, uh, there was a large, uh, stately temple to the Mother Goddess. Oh, my. Mother, yeah. this mother Goddess, um, uh, Sibel. For the ruins of that temple, we see that it is main columns were 60 feet, 20 meters high, and more than 6 feet, 2 meters wow. in diameter. Wow. Uh, this mother goddess was honored and worshipped with all kinds of sexual immorality and impurity. Okay, right. So again, the, the pagan origin of the Greek pantheon... And obviously, they had to be very, very wealthy to build a temple like that, okay? Might have been from slave labor, for all we know, okay? And then, of course, as typically happens when a society becomes, uh, the best word is effete, uh, it, it it loses its masculine drive to build and work and conquer, right? It loses that. And becomes uh, too luxurious and soft and etc. Okay, so that that that's pretty common. But apparently in Sardis, this uh, this problem was very great. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, and this also we see here again, Mother Goddess. Is that also what they try to call now Earth, Mother Earth? Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, 
it's well mother worship but goddess worship and we still have that today in the feminist movement there's a lot of goddess worship in the pagan movement there's a lot of goddess worship and uh, so they hearken back to these greek and roman gods or goddesses and quite frankly it's a uh, just like the jews and their recording of their history through the mother their genealogy through the mother, uh, that's what was going on here, okay? So uh, goddess worship and worship of women in in these temples where a lot of prostitution was going on, right? Our men get soft and resort to prostitution rather than being heads of households and bringing up families. Talk about, uh, you know, degeneration, degeneracy going on. That, that's that's the problem that our people have throughout history. And we still haven't conquered that, that impetus, right, to become soft and I- immoral. Yeah, isn't that also something that is very prevalent in our society today? Oh, man, yes. Yeah, that's very prevalent today. Yeah, especially cities like New York, Chicago, Boston, right, etc., uh, I can say the same about Stockholm as well. I will say, all the, oh, yeah, the big, bigger, bigger cities, main capital, always are centers for this. Oh yeah, well, uh, the Nordic cities with their prostitution legalized, including Germany, legalized prostitution and uh, drug use. Talk about becoming soft and uh, irrelevant. Yeah, but in here it is not legal. That is not legal with the prostitution. In that nope. you get uh, the men that are doing it, they get they get to that. They, that's uh, really offense. It is okay. Yeah, I know it's legal in Denmark and Germany. You know, and so it uh, it varies from country to country. So, yeah, it does. but you're being ruled by feminists. So maybe the feminists subject to to prostitution. But some feminists do. Some feminists don't. It's it's strange. Yeah. It is. It's mm-hmm. part there. Okay, let's continue. Okay, so this is C. Sardis. The combination of easy money and a loose moral environment made the people of Sardis notoriously soft and pleasure-loving. Oh, that sounds like today, Eli. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. That's our problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay, so here's a quote. Quote, the great characteristic of Sardis was that even on pagan lips, Sardis was a name of contempt. Really? It's, wow. Where, Just like America. <laughs> okay. Its people were notoriously loose living, notoriously pleasure and luxury loving. Sardis was a city of de- decadence. There you go. Decadence. Decadence, yeah. Yeah. So, here we have a... It's, it's, history is repeating itself. Amen. Unfortunately. Yeah, and we doesn't learn by history either. Okay. Uh, should I read? We have some yeah. footnote here. Right. Um, this is the I, the first one then. This softness, this lack of discipline and uh, dedication was the doom of Sardis on a few different occasions. The Greek historian Hero- Herodotus tells the story of the fall of Sardis in days of Cyrus. King Cyrus came to Sardis and found the positions of the city ideally suited for defenses. 
there seemed to be no way to scale the steep cliffs wall surrounding the city. Yeah, the steep cliffs. Now, it's very interesting that it was founded by King Cyrus. Now, remember that Cyrus was the king of uh, the, the Medes and Persians who granted the Judahites safe travel and the, the, the ability to rebuild the temple and the walls and the streets of Jerusalem. Okay, so he was very favorable to Judah and Israel when he lived. So this would suggest be an indication of how you know, the good beginnings of the city of Sardis in, uh, under King Cyrus. Okay, so very good. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and now I'm thinking about, I did a show last uh, yesterday about, and then I read an excerpt out of Flavius Ephius about Zerubbabel that had a discussion with, uh, I think it was King, King Cyrus, when yes. he, he gave, gave his, uh, his views upon truth and what that, how that was. And then when he, after he had given that, um, King Cyrus was giving, granting him the ability yeah, to, to build, rebuild the temple and everything. And he, so, yeah. Yeah. So he was a good King Cyrus. He was a good king, a very good king. Yeah, he was because he did. Uh, he did um, give. Yeah, he did know that there was one only one living God, and he gave that. Him, so yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, being a Syrian, which means he's descendant of Aram, and I believe also Arphaxad, uh, direct descendant of Shem, pure white. So uh, he he was uh, you know spiritually and morally correct. For his day, because virtually all the other kings were totally corrupt and decadent and militaristic. So, but I, I think King Cyrus uh, was simply trying to defend his own nation against other invaders, and uh, you know, then maybe got carried away. But uh, yeah, he was definitely a good king as far as the kings go of the ancient world. Yes. Um, okay, let's continue then. He offered a rich reward to any soldier in his army who could figure out a way to get up to the city. One soldier studied the problem carefully, and as he looked, he saw a soldier defending Sardis drop his helmet down the cliff walls. He watched as the soldier climbed down a hidden trail ah. to recover this helmet. Aha, he found a hidden trail. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And he marked the location of the trail and led... Um, uh, detachment of troops up um, it that night. They yeah. easy, easily climbed the cliffs, came to the actual city walls, and found them <laughs> unguarded. Unguarded, no less. Wow. The soldiers of Sardis were so c- confident in the natural defenses of the city of their city, they felt no need to keep a diligent watch. So the city was easily conquered. Curiously, the same thing happened almost 200 years later when um, Antioch uh, attacked and conquered the overconfident city that didn't set a watch. Okay, overconfidence. Yeah, Antioch. Many people have lost their, you know, everything because of overconfidence. Yeah, isn't that called pride? Yeah, right, right. Pride goes before the fall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, now we have another foot, uh, footnote, a more quote here. So, quote, although the situation uh, of the city was ideal for defense, as it stood high above the valley of uh, Hermus and was surrounded by 
deep cliffs almost impossible to scale. Sardis had twice before fallen because of overconfidence and failure to watch. In 549 BC, the Persian king Cyrus had ended the rule of um, Croesus by scaling the cliffs under the cover of darkness. In 214 BC, the armies of Antioch the Great captured the city by the same method. End quote. Okay, so, well, let me ask you a question uh, because our people are asleep and not guarding the faith. Uh, and and in, in Europe, it's even worse than America because they've become atheistic and almost totally materialistic. But here in America, our version of Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, is is really bad. We're not as materialistic, but we're getting there. We're getting there. And uh, the, the churches have become houses of teaching false doctrine. And we keep hearing stories of so-called pastors having affairs with the wives of their congregation and things like that. Wow. Wow. We are repeating history, folks. It's sad to see. Okay. All right. So let's get into the verses here of Sardis. Uh, Revelation 3.1, over to you, please. Yes. Okay. So uh, this I will read from the scriptures, from the Institute of Scripture Research. Um, so, Revelation 3.1. And to the messenger of the assembly in Sardis write, he who, has an, he who has the seven spirits of Elohim and the seven stars says this, I know your works, that you have a, have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Okay, so uh, the reason why we read through that article was to show that, you know, to explain the, the latter half of this verse, that you have a name that thou livest and are in fact dead. Okay, so, well, Sardis began with all of this great wealth under Cyrus, okay, and eventually declined and has a both a literal and spiritual death. And so we will compare that to what happened to the Reformation, okay? So prophetically, it's a reference to the Reformation, which had a very profound beginning and a lively beginning in challenging the Roman, Roman Catholic Church and the Holy Roman Empire, but then died by becoming like them, okay? So there, there it is, folks. All right, verse 2, please. Um, wake up. <laughs> and right? what remains and is about to die for I have not found your works complete before Elohim Amen. remember then how you have received and heard and watch and repent if then you do not wake up I shall come upon you as a thief and you shall not know at all, what hour I come upon you. Okay, for yeah, those of us, tonight. right, for those of us who have become soft and decadent, please take this warning. The warning to all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, we don't know when he comes. He comes like a sea thief in the night, and you Amen. cannot watch for it. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, number four then. 
Nevertheless, you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, because they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be dressed in white robes, and I shall by no means blot out his name from the book of life. But I shall confess his names before my father and before his messengers. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the assemblies. Okay, so this is a warning to all of our congregations to beware of becoming soft and decadent. Okay? Europe has had that experience. Virtually every kingdom, which were Israelite kingdoms, they're all descendants of King David, all of the Kaisers, the kings of Britain and Ireland, and of course the, uh, the Kaisers and uh, the Tsars of Russia. They're all descendants of King David. We're the, we're the people of Yahweh, not the Jews. So these are warnings to us, the, the dwelling places we've had, such as Sardis and Thyatira, etc. And beware of becoming soft and decadent. And this is our problem. I've said many times on your folk radio that the chief problem of Israel is that when we become prosperous... That's when we start to lose our faith. Our chief enemy is prosperity. So therefore, Yahweh, he uses people, he creates tribulation for us to keep us from becoming soft. Okay? To keep us from becoming soft. Remember how the book of Revelation started? I bring you tribulation. So apparently... Uh, to prevent us from becoming soft and decadent, he 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 puts challenges before us, and these challenges are not to be scorned, but to, to be viewed as keeping us sharp as a tack. The Old Testament says we will be tried in the fire, and refined in the fire. So. Every once in a while we get scorched and we shouldn't reject these talents. And, and the scriptures also say, be, do not reject chastening, disciplining from Yahweh. You're not to reject that. You're to take that seriously and stay, stay strong and, and, and courageous in your fight, in your fight against evil. And if you don't view your, uh, your, your mission in life as an Israelite, in this way, you will become soft and decadent. Okay? Major lesson for our people here. Okay? So here, let me go to, uh, uh, unless you have a, a quick comment here on, you know, th this uh, this chapter. Because of, yeah, we can, uh, as you say here, I know it's, um, this, as you said, those, those challenges, this is about the keeping the sword yeah, that you harden the sword by a sword. You need to, as uh, yeah, this is said in Proverbs that uh, as a um, sword is hardening a sword, as an as a brain is hardening, is also making us uh, tougher. That's yeah, this, that's how we keep the sword. Uh, those tribulations, like yeah, I don't know, uh, grinding stones for the sword to keep the our right? sword Stay sharp. sharp. Stay sharp. Stay sharp. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, the, the word I was, yeah, I was looking for it. Good. Sorry, that I was looking for is Proverbs 27, 7. Iron sharpens iron, so a man shapens the countenance of his friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, what's, what's the saying? Uh, 
keep your enemies close, keep your friends closer, <laughs> right? Just in case they have a sharp sword and stab you in the back when they were paid off by a, a, a Jewish banker to kill you. These are these yeah. are the things that happen to us throughout history. These, these things that happen to us. Okay, so I'm going to now switch to the document uh, Revelation Unfolded. Part one from Anglo-SaxonIsrael.com, uh, because the what what you just described, Michael, it said there will be a remnant of Sardis that keep the faith, but it really looks like the vast majority of the Israelites, Christian Israelites at Sardis, became soft and and slow. Okay, so the word Sardis means remnant or escapees so this is what happened at sardis a remnant survived but not many okay so this also prophetically describes the era of from 1517 to 1789 or you could say 1776 because the next church so-called is philadelphia which is a reference to america and uh, our our founding city, really, the city of Philadelphia. Okay, so the, this is prophecy at its best. So, the description of the escapees or remnant is as follows in in prophetic terms: Scattered Protestantism entered into the organized resistance phase, the period of Reformation under Martin Luther and others, thus slowly escaping the oppression of the Catholic Church. Luther's 95 theses exposing ruthless church practices were nailed to the door of the church at Wittenberg in 1517. This began a firestorm against the Roman Catholic Church, which did not subside until the French Revolution in 1789. But also, 1789 was the year that our Constitution was completed. Okay? You could maybe... Yeah, so I think in terms of the European outworking of this prophecy the the number 1789 fits better because we see that the reformation was pretty much overthrown by adam weishaupt the illuminati the freemasons and all of these rich uh, well all these rich people who were part of the established roman hierarchy right the holy roman empire these, they, they had become so soft that they were easily overthrown. Continuing, this latter revolution was a clear victory of the Jews over the Roman Church. Toward the end of his career, Luther writes the phenomenal treatise, The Jews and Their Lies, foretelling what is in store for humanity. Because we're under Jewish dictatorship right now, folks. Thanks to Jewish censorship of Luther's work, Everybody knows about the 95 Theses, which were written against the Catholic Church, but few are aware of the Jews and their lies, which is written against our current oppressor. Unfortunately, the ensuing social chaos and literal warfare between Protestants and Catholics opened the door for the Jewish moneylenders and their behind-the-scenes state-within-the-state intrigues. The Jews, with their chauvinistic secret societies, plotted against unsuspecting Christians to steal their wealth and property through usury and foreclosure. Luther at first accepted their support, 
but having had the opportunity to read their secret Talmudic Antichrist doctrines, he was able to read Hebrew, and therefore he read the Talmud, he turned against them with a vengeance. In true viper fashion, Jewish moneylenders financed both sides of the conflict, profiting from the spoils of the winner with interest. At the same time, Jewish merchants would import arms and other goods not locally available. They are still the masters of these two trades today, money lending and international trade. On May 1, 1776, the Jews, through Adam Weishaupt, formally instituted their system of anti-Christian subversion. And, of course, and you're probably more familiar with the, how should I put it, the secular revolution of Voltaire and the encyclopedists who were already, and, mo- and many of these encyclopedists and revolutionaries were actually well off. They were well off people who were living in luxury, and were, you know, but they hated the Roman Catholic Church. So they would join any movement that opposed the Roman Catholic Church. And when they did that, they came under the influence of Adam Weishaupt and the Illuminati. Okay, Was that the case for the, the, your king of Sweden? Was he killed by the Illuminati? Yes, he was killed by the Illuminati. There was okay. the Illuminati at this, at this first conference at this castle that they ordered to kill him. Mm-hmm. So you see that now... That, that 1776 was also the the year of our Declaration of Independence, and when we uh, when we get to the Church of Philadelphia, there's very relevant verses in Revelation chapter 12 regarding this. Okay, but with regard to Sardis, the, the warning is in Revelation 12:17 that you must keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus Christ, and so only a small remnant of Sardis was able to do that. Okay, that likewise, only a small remnant of Christian Israelites in Europe were able to get through this period unscathed, okay, away from all this revolution. In fact, Pastor Martins, this is the era in which the Boer people left Europe because of all of the infighting between so-called Christian denominations that they decided to leave Europe and go to South Africa. And that's how the Boer Nation was founded, because of all of this infighting amongst our own people. Okay? So, in true Viper fashion, Jewish money... Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm I'm beyond that right now. Okay. Uh, With Rothschild's money, Weishaupt formed the secret society known as the Illuminati. Their sole purpose was to infiltrate Freemasonry and other Christian institutions in order to redirect their goals toward serving a Jewish system of political domination based on the control of national economies. Along with the Illuminati, the Jacobins of France both fomented and financed the French Revolution, thus toppling both monarchy and church and beginning a period of almost constant agitation and revolution throughout Europe. The strategy of these Jewish groups was to foment revolution behind the scenes while publicly proclaiming democracy. Sound familiar, folks? The Democratic Party? (laughs) Right? Yeah, your comment here? I just have a couple yeah, more things. Yeah, um, what, what I'm seeing when I'm just also when I'm listening here to uh, to Martin Luther, isn't it also this, um, this isn't it also connected to, to the verse 10 in the Revelation about this 
this angel with that little book. Isn't that uh, when the Christians are able to read their Bible instead of listening to some Latin Pope standing in, in front of them and saying stuff to us even know what he's saying? You're right. Exactly. Which is kind of like where our churches are today. The, the the pastors themselves don't know what they're talking about because they, they preach do, doctrines that don't come from the Bible at all. They're preaching universalism. You know, basically, in fact, it just occurred to me now, their version of universalism today is very similar to the religion being preached by the Illuminati and the Freemasons, namely the, uh, what do they call it, the fatherhood of God, brotherhood of man. It's the same thing. That same doctrine that brought down France is bringing down modern Christianity, folks. It's totally bringing it down, okay? Uh, but it's being, yeah, it's being proclaimed through the doctrine of democracy. Universalism. Yeah. Okay? Um, and it's very, uh, what do you say, it's very, what do you say, it's very, people likes it. It's very yeah. seductive in that way. They put, oh, that's, it's tickled their ears and it's very seductive. Yeah. That's always been, oh, I have the opportunity to, to have uh, influence in, in the, what do you say, politics that they believe they would get influence with democracy, but it was never intended to be that. It was always intended to be, to giving um, giving the, the money lenders the power they wanted to have their preferred system of That's ruling. Right. That's right. That's all it is. But the vast majority of people don't see that. They don't understand the power of the money lenders. Okay, one, a couple more sentences here. By this method, they could pose as liberators while they were, in fact, the most vile and bloodthirsty perpetrators and profiteers. We're talking about the Jews, folks, and especially the House of Rothschild and the Illuminati and all of these secret societies that have been infiltrated by the Jews. And, of course, the Jews have their own secret society called B'nai B'rith, of which the ADL is a part. The ADL is simply the propaganda wing of the B'nai B'rith. Okay, so folks, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. The Eighth Beast Mystery Babylon, which is nothing but the Jewish money-lending system, has dominated the world, and they're the ones who have instituted the lockdown and the vaccination policies we see being instituted, not, well, they're being enforced through illegal dictates, of the the local commissars and of course the Jewish bankers but they are they don't have the military and police force at least not in America they have police force backing in other countries if you're following the lockdown and the vaccination program many countries are enforcing it with police uh, police action so it's going to take them a while to make that do that in America because of the Second Amendment and because of our sheriff system where the sheriffs rule the local counties and the federal government and state government cannot overrule the sheriffs when it comes to local law, okay? And if your sheriff is on your side, he will fight the state and the feds to tooth and nail. That's happening all across America. So they're going to have a really difficult time using the police to enforce their their vaccination mandates here in America. So it's going to it's going to be a revolution uh, Michael. There's going to be fighting in the streets 
when they try to enforce this through police action and military. They may not even try the police. They may just come with military, you know, with the so-called National Guard and foreign troops. It may, all of those things are a possibility here in America. Okay, so now we have an interesting, before we get into the city of brotherly love, uh, we have an article about William Penn and how in the world... Uh, let me, uh, Nimble Horse Illuminati, right? Yeah, oh, they're evil. From Nimble Horse here, he puts this quotation in. The great ideal of Judaism is that the whole world shall be imbued with Jewish teaching and that in a universal brotherhood of nations, right? Freemasonry. A greater Judaism, in fact, all the separate races and religions shall disappear. Yeah. The Jewish World, February 9, 1883. So, we we simply quote the Jews with their own words and their intended dictatorship over the rest of us with soft words, just as Nachash deceived Eve into getting into fornication, the Jews are still at it with soft words and tickling our ears and enticing us into their brotherhood of nations which is, in fact, the worst dictatorship. If you want to experience it, it's because the nation of Russia experienced it starting in 1917. The dictatorship of the Jew, it's called communism, folks. And guess what? They've got their Antifa and their communist feminists and all of their so-called revolutionary movements that they finance trying to overthrow America. They have virtually succeeded in overthrowing Europe. But uh, they will not stop until every last resistance uh, resistor is killed. So we have to be sharp. We have to be aware. We have to sharpen our swords and our eyes and see what's really going on. Otherwise, we will not be able to resist. Okay? So, Michael, do you have that article in front of you on William Penn and how Philadelphia got its name? Lydia, is this or, the one you said? Yeah, Hidden City. Hidden City. Hidden City. Hidden City. And I will post yes, this I in have the chat room. Contact. Okay. Okay, so this is Lydia or Neo um, Casera or um, Alan Sayer. Uh, uh, just okay. called it Philadelphia. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, let me repeat the title. Uh, Lydia or Neo Caesarea or Alasahir. Or just call it Philadelphia. So I guess uh, the this city in Philadelphia in the, in the Levant had all these various names. And we found these other cities had uh, previous names as well. But uh, it talks about how the city of Philadelphia in America got its name. Okay? And uh, by Harry Kyriakotis. If I'm pronouncing that right. Harry Kyriakotis. All right. Over to you. Yeah, thank you for helping me out with those, <laughs> uh, those pronouncements. Right, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Every good uh, um, Philadelphian knows that the word Philadelphia comes from the Greek word meaning, quote, brotherly love, end quote. More accurately, uh, Philadelphos means, uh, quote, one who loves his brother, end quote. 
What was William Penn thinking of when he named the city? Moreover, was this this first city of brotherly love? Let's first take a look at the um, quote, prayer for Philadelphia, end quote, that William Penn penned in 1684 before he departed the uh, fledging city for the first two times. Um, okay, so here's a quote. Um, quote, and though Philadelphia, the virgin settlement of this province, named before they were born, what love, what care, what service, and what travail has there been to bring thee forth and preserve thee from such a wood uh, abuse and defile thee? Okay, so, oh. this is, okay, hold on. This is a very important concept because virtually every one of these cities that became Christianized went through great travail, okay? And the Bible uses the concept of a, a pregnant woman about to give birth, that uh, these, these cities and these Christian settlements came about through great travail, and that's... That's absolutely true of America as well, and it's true of the coming kingdom as well, folks. So get ready. We're going to have to go through tribulation. Don't believe the promises of the Judeo pastors who say you're already saved and your ticket to the rapture, <laughs> the rapture plane has already been punched. Oh, you're going to pay a price. You have to pay a price to get into the kingdom. That is, you're going to have to deal with tribulation, and you're going to have to fight, to the best of your ability, against the Antichrist system. It's not going to be easy. Period. Back to you. No, I'm into that. Hmm. Um, oh, that thou mayest be kept from the evil that would overwhelm thee. That... Faithful to the God of thy mercies, in the life of righteousness, thou mayest be preserved to the end. My soul prays to God for thee, that thou mayest stand in the day of trial, that thy children may be blessed of the Lord, and thy people saved by his power. Wow. What an excellent prayer. Uh, I wonder if there's any citizens of Philadelphia who even heard this prayer. <laughs> right? Probably not. Okay? This is, uh, because why? Because our heritage is under attack. And you know, our statues of our great men and women are being torn down. Everything that this country was founded upon, namely true Christianity and the, the white people's resolve to build and prosper, that's being destroyed, okay? And the liberals and the Judeo-Christians are joining them in this destruction. Quite amazing, folks. All right, what else does he have yeah. to say? Oh, no, no, now the, back to the author here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they will be probably judged pretty hard at them by oh, yeah. Yeshua Messiah back what they have done they would be spewed out yes they counted as the goats probably also that's very hard to say but that's how you and how they end up 
because they are they maybe have the maybe sometimes the faith maybe but it doesn't they doesn't proclaim his law right i think for them that's a hard one for them to realize that oh do you that's something i realized when i have listened to some of the and pastors in here in Sweden, oh, they, you try to get people under the law again. Oh, ah, horrors of horror. That's Jewish, yeah, right? Yeah, no, they're the ones who are Judaized. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are so Judaized when they're saying that. And I, I say that to them, come on, you, you, are, you are accusing me of having Judaized um, uh, concepts, but you are the one preaching it. Yeah, so, and I'll bet yeah, all the bureaucrats... Their, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah. Okay, I bet all the bureaucrats of the city of Philadelphia walk right past this plaque and have never read it, right? The Prayer for Philadelphia, a plaque at City Hall. Okay? Ah, it's a city hall. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Probably not. Okay, should we continue then? Yes. So, Penn's choice of name for, quote, the Virgin Settlement, end quote, of his new land described what he wanted his city to be. A city, uh, quote, city of brotherly love, end quote. He could have retained the Delaware Indian name for the area. Uh, oh, I cannot pronounce that. Well, let me, let me um, give it a try. Coaquinac. Coaquinac, probably. And, uh, yeah, back to you. Uh, thank you. Meaning, and that's mean then, quote, grove of tall pines. Nah. Pines. Oh, no, I don't like that name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or he might have used the name of the place where the um, allied treaty elm stood. Shackamaxon. Shackamaxon. I love these Indian okay. names. Well, I, actually, Chicago retained its Indian name because the name Chicago is an Indian word which means stinking onion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Did you have many onions on the, on your farming stand, like farming lot then? Right. Oh yeah. On the areas. Well, actually, Chicago was built on a swamp. The land was filled in. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, onions are, are really good. But Stinking Onion is kind of like describes the city of Chicago today. Okay. Yeah, it's got yeah. a really bad okay. odor. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Okay. But Penn may have realized that the treaty area's Indian name was open to wide interpretation based on different dialects of Unami the Lenny Lenape language, uh, besides, uh, quote, meeting places of the chiefs, end quote. Um, so, so I cannot even try that Shakamaxon. Shakamaxon is my best effort here. Shakamaxon. Okay, Shakamaxon could also mean, uh, quote, place of the elves. Yeah, or even stinking onions. <laughs> All right. Furthermore, Penn's notion was that this city, that this new city was different, not like any place else in the world. Um, this may be so, but there were other um, Philadelphians long before there was a, Bo- a Boston or New York. In fact, the ancient Greeks gave the name to several cities. William Penn knew this which may 
account for the, quote, name, name it before they were born, end quote, bit above. Mm -hmm. Well, he may also be thinking of scripture, right? Yes. Book of Revelation. He may have had that in mind. Yes, and here are some of the ancient uh, ancient city of Philadelphia. I guess it was in Turkey, it seems to, when I look at a the map there to right. the right. Mm -hmm. Okay, the best example of an ancient city of brotherly love was a town in Lydia, a kingdom western Asia Minor. This settlement was located east of ancient Iona, Ionia in modern Turkey, near Mount uh, Tmolus by the uh, Kogamus River. Uh, King Atalus II, nicknamed uh, Philadelphus of Pergamosa, and, uh, quote, Atalus uh, Philadelphus. Okay, now, quote, okay, now yeah, uh, before you finish that sentence, recall that when we, we talked about Pergamos, we discovered that King Attalus II bequeathed the city of Pergamos to the Romans. And that, uh, because that was the seat of Satan, which is a reference to the Babylonian Talmud and the Jewish uh, yeshiva that was uh, found in Pergamos, founded in Pergamos, that which they had transplanted from Babylon directly to Pergamos. Okay? And then from there, trans transplanted to Rome. So this is how the Jewish money-lending system, uh, like a leech, like a vampire, attached itself uh, from one kingdom to another. And we find, well, they, they have attached themselves to the entire world economy today and are still doing the same old tricks that our people simply refuse to learn. Back to you. Yeah. Um, found in ancient Philadelphia in 140 BC during the reign, and that's from 159 to 138 BC, and situated about 75 miles east of the um, Aegean Sea coast. The town was thus on one of the greatest trade routes in the world, linking Europe to Asia. The strongly fortified place held the key to the door through which all east-west trade and commerce passed. Oh, guess why the bankers were there? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just like New York and London. Yeah. Um, yes, okay. So, now we have this king at Talus, designed Philadelphia for commerce and to be a missionary city. Uh, through which Greek language and civilization will be spread to Asia Minor and beyond. As such, the city was a center of Greek culture and refinement. And goddess worship. The, mm -hmm, Just like all these cities that. were. Yep. Yes. Uh, the old city sometimes bore the little, quote, little Athens, end quote, because of the magnificence of its temples and other public buildings. This is much like our city once being called the, quote, Athens of America, end quote, or the, quote, Athens of the Western world, end wow. quote. And rich in mineral hot springs, Philadelphia was a, a health spa for tourists who came for its medical waters. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, mineral bath. Yeah. It's actually very healthy. Uh, when people do uh, Epsom salts, they get a lot of magne- uh, magnesium absorbed into their bodies. Very healthy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the city was also famous for its uh, grapes and wine. Um, its chief uh, deity was Dionysus. Yes. Dionysus, Dionysus, uh, I guess it works either way. The god of wine. How about that? Yeah, in Greek mythology. Okay. Uh, Dionysus was was also the Roman god, uh, Bacchus. So, Philadelphia's coin later bore the head of uh, Bacchus and the figure of uh, Bacchante. As with the history of our own city of brotherly love, it its products were shipped throughout the known world. Yes. Okay. But unlike our city, ancient Philadelphia was subject to volcanic eruptions and earthquakes. The tiny earthquake that um, shook our fair city in August of 2011 was nothing like the one that destroyed ancient Philadelphia in 17 AD. As described in the book of Revelation 3, um, 7 until 13, um, recurrent quakes occurred for 20 years. By then, Philadelphia had become part of the Roman Empire. The city was rebuilt by Roman Emperor uh, Tiberius and became a center of early Christianity. Uh-huh. Aha, okay. I was wondering how the Christian connection would work out having been destroyed in 17 AD. Mm -hmm. In gratitude, Philadelphians remained the town uh, Neo um, Caesarea. Yeah, Neo Caesarea. Caesarea. Neo Caesarea, new city of Caesar. Okay, but later reverted to the original name. But the cost of repairing the often shaken city taxed heavily the citizens and Poverty prevailed. Maybe oh, that's young... true of, of America today, right? We're being taxed to death by uh, our ruling elite, although the capital has been shifted from Philadelphia to Washington. Yeah, and couldn't this also be a way for Yahweh to get, no, don't be there, get away. Yep. Yeah, get out of the big cities, wherever you are. Oh, yeah. The judgment's coming very soon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Christian Church in Philadelphia was the sixth of the seven churches in Asia Minor, written about in the Book of Revelation. Um, these were Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Laodicea, and Philadelphia. Revelation 3, 7 states, and, quote, um, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things said he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Okay, so l- let me comment here on the origin of America, because America was founded as a Christian republic. There's absolutely no, no, no doubt about this. The U.S. Constitution reflects the, the laws of Moses time after time after time. Uh, for example, and and the traditions of the Israelites, which, for example, the Israelites did not have a standing army. Rather, they had a militia. 
the founders of this country did not want a standing army. They relied on the militia, which is basically every man and sometimes woman who capable of bearing arms would be counted as the defense of the state and the defense of the nation when called upon. That's how the Israelites did it. Okay, there's numerous laws in the Constitution where it pertains to law and not just uh, f- uh, how should formal uh, do- doing of business. Okay, a lot of the Constitution is about how we're supposed to conduct our legal business. That's most of that is not uh, biblical, but the actual uh, laws that the freedom of speech. Okay, that we the Israelites had that. They were able to say what they pleased, but uh, they weren't allowed to disobey Yahweh's laws, okay? And if there were disputes between people, they had to be settled by a judge, uh, the, um, you know, we call it a trial by jury. Uh, even the kings of ancient Israel were actually, they were ratified by the people. So there was, a, it was a republic, there was a republican aspect to the kingdom of Israel, so, and that uh, the appointment by Samuel of David as king had to be ratified by the people. Okay, so it, it truly is a republic, not merely a kingdom. However, the problem we had with our kings throughout history is they believed in the divine right of kings and disregarded the people. That's been our problem. So America was founded as a Christian republic and was founded as a white republic, the posterity of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The proof of this is that the very first immigration laws passed by this Congress stated you have to be a free white person in order to become a citizen of a particular state. I believe it was you had to live in that state for three years before you could apply for citizenship, but you had to be a free white person. So, it's basically identity, (laughs) right? The American Republic was founded on the principles of Christian identity and the principles of the covenant message of the Bible. Most people don't know that anymore because they... They disregard the foundings of these, you know, of all of these republics, and simply believe in the the Rothschild Rockefeller version of well, they call it democracy, but it's really dictatorship. All right. So, so the city of Philadelphia, those people who wrote these constitutions were all white Christians, and even those who were, uh, how should I put it, because uh, Thomas Jefferson had his doubts. But uh, the doubts that Thomas Jefferson had was he thought that Paul was an antinomian. And Jefferson actually wrote a book and uh, he d- deleted all the verses that in Paul that he thought were antinomian because he was a strong believer in the law, right? And that's what we should be. We should be strong believers in the law, which he's a better Christian than the Judeo-Christian pastors who teach antinomianism. That's the state we're in. All right, so back to you. And then when you mention the law, this key of David, cannot that be Amen. the law? Amen. Yeah, so, so. Um, and that, because when I understand, so I hope I understand this correctly, is this because this was one of the churches that Yeshua Messiah blessed, the other one he cursed, two, uh, the other, uh, he blessed two of them and he cursed the rest of them. Yeah, and America is a nation of law, not a nation of dictators. 
although we have allowed that to change because primarily because the Christians have allowed it to happen. Yeah. Okay? They've allowed it to happen. Okay. Uh, what would you say that we go into scriptures and read the scriptures for the Church of Philadelphia? Should we finish uh, the Yeah, article? let's finish this article because uh, it, it's it's really good. Uh, you know, it's, it's background. Yeah, it's two more study. areas, I think it is. Okay. Since it was a, a missionary church that spread the gospel, it was one of, of two churches of the seven that was viewed favorably. Mm-hmm. It also had the longest duration of prosperity as a Christian city of all the seven churches. Um, a Roman town until 1379 uh, AD, it fell into the hands of the Turks after persistent resistance. The Turkish city of um, Alasair or Alam uh, Alasair, yeah, okay. The city of God, okay. City of God stands on the site of the old city of Philadelphia. Some 18,000 people called the place home. All that can all that can be seen there relating to its Christian history uh, are a section of a Byzantine wall and a couple of brick pa- uh, pillars of the church of St. John dating to the 11th century. One wonders if the same future, uh, future humans or humanoids will write about their new city of Philadelphia and reference our city this way. Well, actually, <laughs> what do we have to say about the city of Philadelphia itself? Has it, uh, has it survived its, its Christian heritage? I hear there's a lot of Muslims in Philadelphia today. Yeah, okay. I don't. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no good update about Philadelphia, how the state is in Philadelphia. But I guess has it been as the unfortunately other major American cities. I guess has been. Yeah. yeah decadence so, is. Yes. Is decadence. Yeah. So there are some parallels here between the ancient city of Philadelphia and modern Philadelphia, and of course it's, it represents the United States of America in totality, and so we see. Yeah, America was the most prosperous, has been the most prosperous nation in all of history. In all of history. Until we became decadent by letting the Jews in. Okay? And so our prosperity really ended uh, with, I'd say, in the 1950s, when the the Jews passed the, uh, the, the laws eliminating our segregated lifestyle. And we became, well, we became universalistic, okay? So, yeah, the most prosperous nation on the face of the earth has now uh, experienced decadence on the most grand of scales. Of course, Europe has gone through the same thing. And we can see that our entire race now is subject to Jewry, and the, the people love to have it so. Why? Because they don't know any better. No. They believe this luxury, that yep. they are seduced by the luxury. Amen. But the luxury <laughs> is gone, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they will realize, that it's gone, and they think they will get it back. But yes, oh, let's take the shot. Let's just do COVID tests all the time. Oh, this COVID is their new god. It's called COVID. I don't know what that, that's what they think it is, because that's everything that's on their mind all the time. So, yes. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. We have about 15 minutes left. I think we can run through the verses real quick, and then um, we'll elaborate them on, on a more greatly next week. But let's go through Revelation 3, 7 to 3, 13, the church in Philadelphia. Yes. So this is Revelation 3, 7 until 13. And to the messenger of the assembly in Philadelphia write, He who is set apart, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Okay, very interesting, because the, the word holy means set apart. It doesn't, it doesn't, in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean pious. It means set apart, because Yahweh's people, Israel, we're set apart, and we're rarely pious and, and virtuous, right? The, the history of the people of Israel in the Old Testament was that they were not pious. They needed to be uh, you know, excoriated by Yahweh himself many, many times. And Paul repeats this over and over in his epistles that uh, the ancient Israel was a very rebellious and non-law-abiding people, Okay. But uh, this piety was true of America for a long, long time. Christianity was taken very, very seriously here in America for a very long time. And as you say, the key of David is the law. America was founded as a nation of law, biblical law. Okay, back to you. Yes, Uh, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. And no one is able to shut it, that you have little power, yet have guarded my word, and have not denied my name. Guarded my word, that seems like guarding the law. That's right. um, See, I'm having up those of the congregation of Satan, Mm. who say they are Yehudim, and are not. But lie, see, I am making them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Okay, if, there's an, uh, if there ever was a nation in the world that has believed Jew lies, it's America. The Assembly of Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah the, the Southern Baptists. You know the uh, the Christian Zionists, uh, the the secular world is, is has not been so influenced by the Jews' doctrines, by Judaism, but they have been influenced by Jew communism. America yeah. has gone a slightly different route and believed Jew lies about religion. Back to you. Yeah, and I guess communism is Judas for the masses. That's right. So I guess also we have been disturbed by that way. And now just a deep, just a uh, question. Yehudim is that an an uh, an other way to? It is the uh, what to say? Yes. Way, um, that is, it's not a Judite. Or that's a Judite, or oh, is well, even... yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, let's analyze this. Behold, I'm reading from the King James. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, who we know to be Edomites the Pharisees and uh, the Edomites that lived in Judea in those days, 
which say they are Yehudim. That's correct, Yehudim being a reference to the tribe of Judah, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that they have I that I have loved thee. In other words, the Jews, and this is proper properly used here. The word Jews is properly used here, uh, which say they are Yehudim, but are not. Actually, uh, let me correct myself. It it should be Yehudim, Judah, which say they are Judah, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet. So it's predicting in these end times that the Jews, though the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Judah and are not, will come and worship before our feet. Yes, they are. They say they are of Judah. That's but, right. Yeah, they say they are, but they are not. And that's yeah. exactly what they say. They want to say that they are Judah. Right. They are not. Amen. Yeah. So that is the correction that is made in the scriptures instead of That's King right. James. The scriptures are, the, are correct there, yes. Yeah, and not saying the word Jew, something like that. It's not Jew. It is not. That is the it's, wrong word. It's Judah. Uh, which yeah, say that, uh, yeah, Yehudim or Judah, yeah. But are not, yeah, and, and do lie. So we in identity know that, but the rest of the Christian world is, is entirely hoodwinked by these yeah. Jews. Yes, and Yehudim is the proper racial word for Judah. It's just a way because our people didn't have the Y in their writings. That's why it is in with a Y right. instead of J. J. Okay, let's continue. Uh, sorry for that little diversion. No. Um, because you have guarded my word of endurance, I also shall guard you from the hour of trial which shall come upon all the world mm. to try to dwell on the earth. Okay. All right, See. so, yeah, I mean, uh, the American people in general, those who, have, uh, who are Christians, have understood that Yahweh has been protecting us. But the more we rebel and fail to observe his law, and the more decadent we become, the fewer and fewer of us he will protect. That's, that's the way it's been throughout history. The remnant, okay, the remnant. And, uh, and we're supposed to, and brotherly love, as we found out from the Apostle John, that that is the whole of the law, that we love our brother, worship God and through Jesus Christ, and love our brethren. Again, this is very racially segregated. It's a racially segregated religion, which our country started out that way. It was virtual identity. But they didn't have that term, and they probably did not realize that they were descendants of ancient Israel. Probably did not realize that, although there are instances of some writers who did, who were, who claimed. In fact, for example, one Supreme Court justice wrote that America is American Israel. Okay, so we'll see if we can document that next week. We don't have time for that today. Back to you. Okay, so see, I'm coming speedily. Ho, what you have, that no one takes your crown. Mm. He who overcomes, I shall make him a supporting post in the dwelling place of my Elohim. And he shall by no means go out. And I shall write on him the name of my Elohim and the name of the city of my Elohim, the renewed Jerusalem, which comes down out of the heaven from my Elohim 
and my renewed name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the wow. sinners. Wow, is this a loaded verse? <laughs> okay. So, again, it's telling us that those of us who keep the faith will overcome this world. And boy, we have a lot to overcome because the Antichrist, the reign of Antichrist, is more powerful than ever in the world today. But those of us in identity know what we're up against. And even people of faith, let's say Judeo-Christians, who are basically decent people and do not commit crimes against their fellow brethren, but nevertheless, ideologically, are really, you know, in the doldrums. They really don't understand what's happening in the world. Their version of Christianity is lacking. And so I don't know what the Father is going to do with those people. Uh, Will they be relegated to a form of purgatory? I don't know. But those who get the shot, the mark of the beast, will perish. They will be cast into the lake of fire, and uh, they will, you know, their souls will be destroyed. They will never you know, wake up again, ever again. Over to you. Yeah, because they did put their trust into man. Yeah, that's that right. Mark of the beast. Isn't that also in the word, when you check out the word? It isn't that also what is referred to, the... The six exist. Um, the uh, the number of the beast is the mark of man, of man, yeah. man, well, manhood, something Amen. like this. So Amen. they put their trust into man, into this, the, of the all the stuff you have in the world that you believe that will help you. It will not help you. It is of Satan. You believe Satan will help you? Yeah, it will yeah. help you get to hell. That's what you will. Right. Yeah, and uh, well, as we talked about earlier, it's the gospel of prosperity. Uh, so Christianity has its own version of materialism. Okay, materialism has been the bane of our people. We attribute to ourselves the work of our own hands and the, the amount of money in our bank accounts. <laughs> right, is where we go wrong. We start relying on that instead of Yahweh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, one more verse. Yes, but, well, isn't it done there? Oh, then, uh, did you read 13 already? Yeah, I can, okay. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the assemblies. Okay, yeah. So, perk up. <laughs> Listen up, folks. The Scriptures are speaking to us. And there's so many Christians who call themselves, you know, the people of God, but they're not listening. They're not reading. What the, the things they hear are the lies of the Judeo-pulpit bastards. It's been a while since I've used that term. The Judeo-pulpit bastards. They are evil. They're just as evil as Jews because they distort the scriptures. They have distorted the New Testament just as badly as the Masoretes have distorted the Old Testament. Okay? It's like two wings of the same dirty bird <laughs> right dirty bird the the distortion of the scriptures most people only hear the distorted version they don't hear the true gospel they don't hear the covenant message which is exclusive to true israel the descendants of abraham isaac and jacob that's the covenant message that's the story of the bible anything that tries to universalize it or uh, d deny the law is a liar and might as well be a Jew. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. 
they have been uh, the, they also said that you have made them as double the hell the I'm I'm only the children I'm, of I'm, hell twice yeah. the children of hell yes yes that's yeah, you're, what they become you're proselytes, yes, and that's what the Judeo-Christian is. He's he's twice as bad as a Jew. Why? Because they infiltrate our society, they infiltrate our churches, and just and corrupt our churches, just as the Jews have done uh, with uh, the economy and the culture. Okay. All right, Michael. That wraps up today's show. Thanks for your narration, and I think we have one more show left in this series, uh, and we'll get to Laodicea, which is the current age. Next week. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.